Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Synergy Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm Dolores Van Borgendine, an advanced practice registered nurse, addiction and mental health specialist, blogger, author, mother, and all-round health and wellness fanatic. In this podcast, I aim to answer the common and not-so-common questions that come up every day, be they related to health, diet, exercise, and so much more. I aim to provide you with evidence-based answers and information from leading experts in their respective fields. I'm passionate about how we can all lead our best lives, healthier, happier, and free from stress. For more information, you can find me or contact me at Dolores at SynergyHealthAndWellness.net, on social media on Instagram at SynergyHealthAndWellness, and on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Health and Wellness Simplified. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to this week's program. Firstly, I'd like to apologize. It was always my intention with this podcast to put out one episode weekly. But I think unless you've done a podcast, people don't really realize the amount of time and effort that goes into the research behind every program, especially when it's to do with things like medical issues, which is what I try to bring information about to my clients and listeners. You have to really sit down do the appropriate research, get evidence-based research and accurate research to deliver good content to your clients and patients. So a few weeks ago, I was going to do my next program on medication-assisted treatment. But before I did that, I said, let me just jump into and let people know about all those drugs and things that we're seeing out in the world and in clinical practice at this time. So what I thought would be a very, very quick research and study turned out to be approximately three weeks of study and I ended up with 30 drugs and by the way there are more than that and of the 30 drugs this is drugs that we are genuinely seeing every day in practice and it becomes a challenge for practitioners who are involved in addiction medicine not only to identify what your patient is taking but also how to treat it. So part of the problem that I had initially was that you'd be surprised to see what's out there and what's even more frightening is what kids are doing and the fact that a lot of parents don't even know what their kids are doing through no fault of a parent's own. I was a little bit shocked that when I went to research all of the drugs out there that kids are taking, the information is readily available on the internet. The drugs themselves, some of them are available on eBay and Amazon and on not even necessarily the dark web because you just Google some of the things and you can find the information and the products themselves just on the regular internet. One of my main sources of information for this was Reddit, which is kind of a little bit like a subculture Google, I suppose. And there was tons of information there for kids out there if they wanted to find out information or where to get drugs or the effects that these drugs have. So initially it was a bit of a dilemma for me as well, because ethically I kind of said to myself, should I even be putting the information out there? Because now I'm telling people where to go and how to get it. Well, the information was already available out there and readily available to kids. So I would much rather educate parents as well on what we're seeing and what their kids are doing on a regular basis. And I hope that this enlightens you. The way that I based it was I took every single drug. I looked at the types of drugs that were out there. I also gave information as to, you know, the prevalence, where it's being bought, the cost of it, how kids or people will use the drug, key signs, some slang names that people use, and some of the cautions and cautionary tales. At the moment right now, there's an estimated 24.6 million people in the United States using some kind of an illicit drug in the past 30 days. And according to the latest government statistics, 
about 9.4% of all persons over the age of 12 are involved in the use of illegal drugs or the non-medical use of prescription drugs. Where are people getting these drugs? 55.7% of drugs were given to them by free, by a relative or a friend. And that also includes people going into a friend's, a parent's, a neighbor's medicine cabinet or bedside table or whatever, and just taking drugs from there. 19.1% of them were procured from a doctor. And this is where people actually, I mean, I feel very passionate about my doctors and my nurse practitioner and PA colleagues because I think that we actually get a bad rap. People think that we're going and prescribing tons and tons of medications to people that people are getting addicted to when part of the bigger problem is that 55.7% of drugs were procured by either getting them from a friend or a relative or stealing them or taking them from a friend or a relative's medicine cabinet. And that information needs to be put out there as well. 3.9% of them were bought from a stranger and 0.1% of them were bought online. Between 1990 in 2017, over 700,000 Americans have died due to a drug overdose, and nearly three out of every four deaths in 68% thereabouts involve an opioid such as oxycodone or heroin. So what are we seeing out there? So I think people and parents need to know that there are different kinds of drugs that do different kinds of things. I mean, for me, it's kind of obvious because I see it every day. But you've got your disassociative drugs, things like hallucinogens, LSD, which is kind of old school, magic mushrooms, mescaline, peyote. You've got things that are uppers or stimulants. That includes your crack cocaine, your methamphetamines, even some of your synthetic cannabinoids and your MDMAs and PVPs. And those are the synthetic cations. You then have your downers, benzodiazepines, things like Valium, Xanax. Alcohol is also considered a downer. Just to get back to the synthetic cations, those are very, very familiar to people, of course, because uh, those include the groups of drugs, things like Flocka, Ecstasy bath salts. And that's kind of a confusing realm because a synthetic cathione can be manufactured. A lot of them were originally manufactured in China. And what happened was as the drugs were coming into the United States, the drugs themselves are banned by their chemical structure. And the people manufacturing the drugs are kind of always one step ahead of us. And they just change or alter one part of the chemical component of a drug to make it into a different variant, but pretty much doing the exact same thing. So things like MDMA, commonly known as ecstasy or molly, it's a psychoactive drug. It's used as a recreational drug that morphed into an alpha PVP, which morphs into a PMMA. Again, similar stimulant or psychedelic effect. And now we're seeing other things. PMMA is actually quite a recently developed drug. And we're seeing another one in practice now called NBOME. Again, the name is another series of drugs that create creates a hallucinogenic effect. And these drugs are very, very difficult to find. As you can imagine, like I said, the manufacturers are one step ahead of the uh, clinicians. We can't even identify these drugs because we don't even know what we're looking for as the chemical structures of these drugs are changed. So again, like I said, you've got your stimulant drugs, your ecstasy, your molly, your meth, your cocaine, your crack cocaines, again, your MPDV, mephedrone, those all fall into your kind of stimulant type drugs. And again, hallucinogenic drugs, things like your LSDs. All of these drugs will do a different type of thing. They make people feel a different way. So the patient who is on a particular medication or presents to the ER or to mostly ER and and first responders will see these drugs up close in their practice. 
the patients all, depending on what drug is being used by the patient, the patient will present in a different way to whoever is seeing them. So let's get started. As I said, there was approximately 30 drugs that I looked at and researched. No mention of drugs can go without mentioning the legal drug, alcohol. It's legal in the States. It can be bought in stores. You find it in liquor cabinets where kids are taking it from friends and family and parents. It's relatively cheap. You can buy liquor for $2 and up. You can ingest it or swallow it or drink it as it's meant to be done. But we are also seeing kids doing things like ingesting it rectally. What kids do is it's called booty chugging, booty bumping or boofing. And what kids do is they will be able to soak a tampon or something or even use it as an enema and inject the alcohol directly into the rectum. One of the things about this is it bypasses the stomach so kids don't throw up, but it does make them extremely sick. The side effects are going to be nausea, vomiting, liver failure, of course, alcohol poisoning, slurred speech. And you see some of those hazing deaths as well, where the kids have drank too much alcohol and died from alcohol poisoning, because it'll also increase your risk for aspiration. It also leads to suicidality and lethality. In most cases of suicide, alcohol is involved. And not to mention that uh, alcohol also adds to traumatic injury and death. And uh, of course, poor judgment. I do want to mention CBD in there, cannabidiol. You may ask why I'm adding it in there. And the main reason is, is that even though CBD is technically not a drug, it's part of both the hemp plant and cannabis marijuana plant. CBD does not give you the feeling of high because there is meant to be no THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis in CBD. But a word of caution to people, I see an awful lot of patients and clients where I practice and And these patients are testing positive for THC. And that's because CBD itself is not highly regulated. And while to be called CBD, it has to have less than 0.003 of THC. That's not always the case. So a lot of my patients are wondering why they're testing positive on drug tests for THC. And the reason is, is because the CBD that they're using is not completely free of THC. So it's just a cautionary tale. CBD is, of course, legal, easy to get. It can be bought in stores and dispensaries. People are using it topically. They're ingesting it orally. They're inhaling it. It's relatively cheap to get in stores and dispensaries. It's being used for pain relief, decreases in anxiety. There's no real street name for CBD. And again, there are some side effects. You can get dry mouth, diarrhea, reduced appetite, drowsiness and fatigue sometimes from it. That's more if the THC content is increased. Now let's go on to THC. THC, THC, marijuana, cannabis is the psychoactive ingredient in cannabis, the ingredient that gives you that feeling of either euphoria or relaxation, depending on the strain that you take. Again, one of the things that I kind of laugh at is that when I ask my patients if they are taking THC, what strain they're taking. And I find that in practice, most people don't even know. So there are two strains. Sativa is more of your upper energetic strain and indica is more of your downer. Indica, indica couch. That's how I just remember it. And now um, the prevalence of THC, now that it's legalized recreationally in 11 states and DC, Alaska being one of those states, I think Washington also as well. And there's 33 states having legalized medical marijuana and an additional nine looking to legalize in 2020. So approximately 19.8 million people are using THC. It's being bought in dispensaries, smoke shops, also on the street. It's relatively cheap. For example, in Alaska, marijuana of high quality is approximately $20 per gram with
with most joints containing anywhere between 0.3 and 0.5 of a gram per joint or 7 to $10 per joint. So it's relatively cheap. THC can be found in edibles, smoke, vape. It uh, can be brewed into a tea and people are ingesting it through a bong. Side effects, either upper, your sativas, downer, indica. So you can have euphoria and upper effects if it's a sativa strain. And as I said, kind of a calming and even sometimes depressive if you're smoking an indica strain. Key signs, sometimes is a difficulty concentrating, increased heart rate and drug on drug interaction. Slang names for THC is blunt, bud, dope, ganja, grass, hashish. You can find all these. Cautionary tales on this is, you know, a lot of people want to argue that THC is a plant, it's naturally occurring, that it doesn't have side effects, that's rubbish. Okay, absolute rubbish. Okay, because we do actually see an awful lot of hyperemesis cannabinoid syndrome, which is where if people are smoking a lot of weed over a longer period of time, they end up with intractable vomiting. And it is because of a thing called hyperemesis cannabinoid syndrome. And those patients have to give up smoking weed or eating weed. It can also cause problems with balance, perception, paranoia and irritability. And we do see these things in people in practice. Going back to your ecstasy and your molly, MDMA, it's a common rave or a dance drug. 1.3 million people use it. It's a hallucinogen. It's being bought or used in clubs, raves and parties and on the street. Uh, the cost is anywhere between 8 to $10 per pill or 50 to $70 per gram. Varies per location. Drugs are quite geographical. MDMA is very prevalent on the East Coast. Meth would be more prevalent on the West Coast. It decreases inhibitions. Its side effects are lowered inhibitions, increased sensory perception, increased heart rate and blood pressure, muscle tension, nausea, faintness, chills, sweating, sharp rise in body temperature, leading to kidney failure or death. Key signs, it's an upper like meth or speed and a psychoactive. Slang names for this could be Adam, Clarity, Eve, lovers, speed, peace, uppers. It can cause a thing called rhabdomyolysis, which is where there's a breakdown of a protein which floods the blood builds up in the bloodstream it's caused by muscle breakdown actually and the kidneys have to process this it can lead to kidney failure amongst other things it's very very dangerous rhabdomyolysis it also ecstasy and molly is known to increase heart rate temperature metabolism causing confusion depression and anxiety so let's go on to another drug it's called kratom i call it kratom <laughs> here they call it kratom Kratom is from a tropical tree native to Southeast Asia with leaves that contain compounds that have a psychotropic or mind-altering effect. It's not currently an illegal substance and has been easy to order on the internet. So it is quite easy to find. It's on the internet. You can buy it in smoke shops as well. It comes in powder form, so a lot of people will actually ingest Kratom in. They'll take a capsule, which you can buy on the internet as well, and they put the powder in the capsule and they take it. It can actually be boiled as well. Common side effects of Kratom include dehydration, aggression, excessive sweating, hallucinations and stomach pain, muscle aches, pain, sweating, runny nose, nausea and vomiting. So part of the problem that we have is that Kratom has some benefits shown to be body relaxation, mood enhancement, improved concentration, sedative properties, analgesic properties. But then what happens is patients will use this excessively and then become addicted to it because it works on opiate receptors in the brain and it causes a little bit of addiction. I've heard from several patients 
that they find it harder to come off Kratom. And another drug, which I will mention later on, Tianeptine, they find it harder to come off Kratom and Tianeptine than they do coming off heroin with medication assistance. So let's go down to another drug, which is really scary. It's called Tianeptine. What's scary about this is, yes, you can Google it. You can find it on the internet. You can find it on Amazon and eBay, and you can buy it from those places. So it's very easily available. Unfortunately, to get the opiate or the effect of this, people are using it at severely high concentrations, and that's what's causing the elevated heart rate and some of the side effects, kidney failure, coma, and death. But Tianeptine, it's sold as Stablon and Coaxil. It's an atypical antidepressant. You can get it in tablet form or powder form. It appeals to opiate users as it's cheaper than pills and available online apparently. It's popular because it produces effects that are similar to the effects of opioids. But according to the CDC, the number of calls related to TNEPTINE abuse has increased exponentially between 2014 and 2017, mostly used by males actually as well who have used and abused the drug. It's available online, as I stated. It's costly. It's about $700 for 100 grams of powder. And again, a little bit like Kratom, you can buy the actual gelatin capsules online and put the powder in there. And what I'm finding from my patients is my patients are severely sick from this very, very quickly. They become highly addicted. They're using this in dosages that far exceed recommended dosages to get the same opiate effect. And as I said, it leads to elevated heart rate, kidney failure, coma, death, depression, sleep, you know, it's a horrible, horrible drug. And a word of caution, I'm hearing from some people that it is harder to come off Tianeptine and Kratom than it is heroin even. So parents, beware what your kids take a look at their history profiles and what they're ordering and buying on the internet. Flocka, of course, made very famous in South Florida around about 2014 when it was ground zero. I can speak anecdotally to this because I was in Florida at the time of the Flocka epidemic. It was absolutely awful. It is a synthetic cathode and as I said, very popular between 2014 and 2017, now only sporadic use. It did result in 80 deaths in Florida in late 2014, early 2015. Latest studies show that less than 1% of high school seniors have used it, thank God. Flaca alpha PVP belongs to a class of drugs, synthetic cations. It's related to the cat plant, K-H-A-T. It's being bought on the street. It's super cheap, okay? Anywhere between three and five dollars a pill. It was initially smoked pills, but it went literally when I was working in Florida, we were seeing everybody taking it in pill format and smoking it. And then it leapt within three to four weeks from that to being injected. It causes a thing called excited delirium. It results in elevated heart rate, elevated temperature, psychotic behavior. And unfortunately, we saw a ton of patients in Florida that never returned to their former self. Uh, A lot of people ended up in psychiatric facilities because of this. It does have, can cause death, has irreversible side effects, paranoia, amnesia, elevated heart rate, kidney failure, rhabdo, as I previously explained, sweating and nausea methamphetamine I'm having a really tough time with methamphetamine I find that it is a much harder drug to treat than heroin so in Florida methamphetamine is again very geographical seeing tons and tons and tons of it here in the west coast in Alaska in Florida we would always see heroin and crack cocaine together so heroin which is an opiate plus a stimulant crack cocaine is called a speedball a goofball a powerball you can either inject those two drugs 
things together with dire consequences, or you can even inhale it, the two things together. So again, that's called a speedball, goofball, parable, depending on where you are. And in Alaska, we see tons and tons of methamphetamine. Again, like I said, I'm shocked to see how prevalent it is. There's approximately 549,000 people in the United States using it. It's readily available on the street, relatively cheap, 20 to $60 per gram. It can be smoked, snorted, swallowed, injected, and speedballed, as I said earlier. It increases activity, heart rate, breathing, temperature, and blood pressure. It decreases your appetite. It also increases irritability, depression, anxiety, confusion, insomnia, mood problems, violent behavior, paranoia. The sores that I see on some patients from this drug are absolutely atrocious. People lose their teeth. It's called meth mouth. It's absolutely horrendous. I don't know why people... It's just really, really sad. It's a very, very difficult drug to get off. Highly addictive and destroys dopamine receptors. It binds to the dopamine receptors, gives you that euphoric feeling and that upper feeling, and then starts destroying the dopamine receptors. And that's why you can never, ever, ever regain the initial high that you get because you've destroyed some of your dopamine receptors. I did see some recent literature, which I am trying to find again, that there is a blood pressure medication that apparently is being trialed to help treat methamphetamine addiction. And of course, you have your stimulants, legal stimulants for ADHD, Adderall, etc., that some substance use disorder patients are actually being put on because they can't live or survive without meth. Moving on now to heroin. It belongs to the opioid family. 300,000 people in the United States are heroin users, bought and used on the streets, cost anywhere between 5 to $20 a baggie. Those who are heavily addicted can use up to 10 baggies a day. So if you're paying 20 bucks a baggie, then it's a $200 a day habit. The price for heroin has decreased while use has gone up. In order to maximize profits, the dealers are cutting pure heroin to make the drug go further. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is the drug is being cut with potentially fatal drugs such as fentanyl, which even in small doses can be catastrophically deadly. You can inject, snort, smoke, heroin, side effects, death, number one, HIV, hep C, abscesses, endocarditis, sepsis, key signs, people nod out. Sometimes when they're on heroin, you see people nodding out, falling asleep. Slang names are brown sugar, China white, dope, H, horse, junk, skag, skunk. If you mix it with over-the-counter cold medicine and an antihistamine, it's called cheese People actually do this, I can't believe it. But following the model of use, an individual will spend anywhere between $438 and $1,750 a week, or between $22,810 and $91,250 per year on heroin, depending on its street price. So aren't we much better treating people with medication-assisted treatment programs and trying to get them off this absolutely horrendous drug? Benzos, that's a group of central nervous system depressants, Things like your Valiums, your Xanax, your Ativans, your Clonopins, those are all in the benzodiazepine group. Where are kids, patients, clients getting these medications found in parents, friends, family medicine cabinets, easily available on the street? Though from what I've heard, a little bit harder to get your hands on a Clonopin than it is to get your hands on heroin. But you can buy medication anywhere between 2 and $20 a pill. 
people do swallow and then they actually grind down the pills and inject it and when they mix it with some water it causes drowsiness slurred speech poor concentration confusion dizziness problems with movement and memory lowered blood pressure slower breathing seizures from withdrawals risk of apnea and aspiration okay and the combination of a benzodiazepine with something like a heroin or a fentanyl is absolutely lethal lethal so very very dangerous i hope parents know about this and make sure that you're locking up your cautionary tale lock up your medications at home put them in a safe get them out of harm's way get them out of your teenagers and kids ways okay fentanyl is another powerful synthetic opioid it's 80 to 100 times more potent than morphine it's used to treat patients with severe pain or to manage pain after surgery you know we see this in an awful lot of cancer patients where they use this particular medication so it's a common medication for people who genuinely need it it's now being purchased on the street and stolen or diverted from family and friends the cost of fentanyl on the street is $40 it comes in pill powder topical patch spray lollipop form causes euphoria and relaxation and it resembles the effect of heroin, causing effects such as euphoria, drowsiness, but it can also cause nausea, confusion, constipation, sedation, tolerance, addiction, respiratory depression and arrest, unconsciousness, coma and death. Slang names on the street for this are Apache, China Girl, Chinatown, China White, Dance Fever, Goodfellas, Great Bear, so many others. Mixing fentanyl with illicit narcotics such as heroin or stimulants like cocaine amplifies the drug's damaging side effects. Fentanyl is a volatile and a lethal drug. It's absolutely horrible and you know the dealers who are out there who are mixing it they don't care the dealers just do not care what they're mixing it with cough syrups dextromethorphan over-the-counter medication can be bought in a pharmacy that's used on the street as well it's about $15 for a bottle of dextromethorphan it comes in liquid and pill form it's called slang names robo tripping robo triple c but it can cause breathing problems seizures increased heart rate i have seen several cases of overdose from triple c while i worked as a hospitalist there's another drug out there a lot of people might not know about. It's Lamotil, Loperamide. It is an anti-diarrheal drug. It's purchased on the street, also stolen from family and friends. It's $15 for about 30 tablets. It comes in pill form. People are using this at extremely high doses because it has an effect on the opiate receptors, but it can cause fainting, stomach pain, constipation, loss of consciousness, cardiovascular toxicity, pupil dilation, and kidney failure from urinary retention. And people are actually becoming addicted to Lamotil paramide or lomotal at very very high doses kava is a native plant seen in the pacific islands you can find it in certain states such as florida hawaii and california where it is sold legally in bars health food stores and gas stations it can be made into tea it can be drank pills supplements and bars but it does slow speech um, causes slurred speech impaired motor control dizziness impulsivity and risk-taking people will have difficulty concentrating and again it is readily available in some states ayahuasca it's a hallucinogenic tea made in the amazon from a dmt containing plant along with another vine it's found in south america very difficult to find in the united states usually seen in spiritual ceremonies in south america but when it can be bought it's anywhere between 150 and 300 dollars per ceremony that's if you go down to a south american country it can be drunk as a tea it did come to fame because i think an english national died after a ceremony somewhere in south america after drinking ayahuasca causes extremely strong hallucinations altered visual and auditory perceptions increased heart rate blood pressure nausea burning sensation in the stomach increased 
skin sensitivity. GHB, it's a common street drug, party scene drug. It comes in liquid format. It's clear, basically tasteless, a little bit salty apparently when dissolved. And GHB is the drug that is seen in clubs. It's called the rape drug. It's five to twenty dollars per capful, liquid or pill form, causes euphoria, drowsiness, nausea, vomiting, confusion, memory loss, unconsciousness, slowed heart rate and breathing. It's called a G sleep. It's slang names go as Georgia Homeboy, Goop, Grievous Bodily Harm, Liquid Ecstasy, Liquid Soap, Scoop, and it's known as the date rape drug, as I said. So people need to be extremely careful when they're out in bars because it can easily be slipped into people's drinks. It's extremely dangerous when it's mixed with alcohol and antidepressants, which is where it's normally mixed with alcohol. Ketamine, gaining an awful lot of popularity at the moment now that there are some forms of ketamine. Uh, There's a nasal ketamine and there are ketamine clinics being used for PTSD and used for mental health treatments, but it is, it's a drug and it can be extremely dangerous. Okay. It's a dissociative drug. It's used as an anesthetic. Dissociative drugs are hallucinogens that can cause the user to feel detached from reality. And it's not that I'm against the use but I think that if people, it's very trendy now to be opening up a little ketamine bar and having people who are not trained either as paramedics, nurses, nurse practitioners, inserting and starting IVs and administering this and leaving a patient, you know, in a room, alone, unobserved, etc. That's where the problem with this is, is, is that it's a little bit like these IV hydration bars, which drive me crazy. First of all, they're not necessary. It's a complete and utter waste of money. I'm sorry, that is definitely my opinion. But anyway, in these ketamine places, I do know and I was able to go and observe this and the patient was left alone. What if the patient has some sort of a reaction and not a good one because it is, as I said, a dissociative drug? What if the concentration is too high? The place that I was at as well, the IV was being administered not on a pump. It was just as a bolus. It's just so unregulated. And that's what's anyway upsetting to me is the unregulated administering of these drugs. Anyway, it's now being prescribed in certain situations as an antidepressant. The cost per mental health treatment per infusion is $500. As a pain treatment, it's $750. But people can end up with problems with attention, learning and memory, sedation, confusion, raised blood pressure, unconsciousness, slow breathing, kidney problems, stomach pain, depression and poor memory. It's called Cat Valium, Special K, Vitamin K, K. It is being used legally to treat PTSD, OCD, suicidality, and depression. Cat was mentioned previously. It's a plant that's found in East Africa and Southern Arabia. Very, very hard to get into the United States. It does contain psychoactive chemicals, cathione, and that's where the synthetic cathiones are derived from. As I said, you can't really get it in the United States. It comes in plant form. The plant itself is not banned, but the only way to get the active ingredient is to remove the cathione, which is in itself is illegal in most countries. Um, it's very bulky. It can be made into a tea or it can be chewed. It causes euphoria, increased alertness, but it's very dangerous and can cause an increased risk of heart attack. In heavy use in African countries, it causes psychotic reactions such as fear, anxiety, grandiose delusions, hallucinations, and paranoia. It's a very, very dangerous drug, and thankfully we don't see that much of it here, but it is available. LSD is an old-school hallucinogen manufactured from lysergic acid, which is found in ergot, a fungus that grows on rye. 
and other greens. Seen mainly on the West Coast, it's about 5 to $30 for a pill or a blotter, depending on where and when and market availability. It comes in liquid form and or on a blotter paper. It causes rapid and emotional mood swings, distortion of a person's ability to recognize reality, think rationally, or communicate with others. It also raises blood pressure, heart rate, body temperature, dizziness. When I was looking up this particular drug, there's a what they call a generational forgetting, which means that because LSD was used kind of a couple of generations ago, people now and kids now forget the side effects on what LSD did. There is still, though, an approximate 9% usage among young adults in the United States. Some of the side effects can be depression, seizures, flashbacks, bad trips, and some literature does point towards this causing some schizophrenic breaks. Mescaline is a hallucinogen found in buttons in the crown of cacti, including peyote. It's been used in northern Mexico in religious rituals. It is swallowed, chewed, soaked and drunk, ground into powder, placed in capsules. It again is a hallucinogen. It causes visual hallucinations, radically alters states of consciousness, causes euphoria, but can also cause diarrhea, excessive sweating, tremors, nausea, vomiting, headaches, tachycardia, fast heart rate, elevated temperature, pupil dilation, and psychosis, panic, and paranoia, seizures, and amnesia after use, and plus post-hallucinogen perceptual disorder or flashbacks. It's called peyote or peyote, buttons, cactus, and it is mainly used in ritualistic medicinal use. PCP is another dissociative drug developed as an IV anesthetic that has been discontinued due to serious side effects. So it's very like ketamine. Ketamine is an anesthetic, again, used for for surgery, and it was developed instead, but is structurally similar to PCP. So ketamine and PCP are very similar. The average user will consume between one to five milligrams per dose and 20 to 30 dollars per gram in powder form. And the effects of PCP can last for about six to 48 hours. It's injected, snorted, swallowed, smoked. Again, it causes disassociation, paranoia, hallucinations, flashbacks, memory loss, and self-harm. Again, a very dangerous drug. Psilocybin is again a hallucinogen. It's a type of mushroom that grows in parts of South America, Mexico, and in the United States, common in the US and also in Europe. Magic mushrooms in Europe for my Dublin, Ireland users. The cost is anywhere between $10 to $50 a gram. It can be eat, drunk, brewed into teas, causes hallucinations, altered perception of time, inability to tell fantasy from reality, but can also end up causing panic, flashbacks, problems with movement, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and again, problems associated with a bad trip. Salvia is, again, another dissociative drug. It's a herb in the mint family native to southern Mexico. And again, like all of the other hallucinogens, causes hallucinations, flashbacks, etc., etc. Not very readily available in the U.S. Um, I do want to mention Angel's Trumpet only because I did have a couple of patients when I was working in South Florida that had ingested Angel's Trumpet. It is a beautiful looking flower. It's nearly deadly. My young patients ended up in ICU. Both of them nearly died. Kidney failure, the works, and they actually had stolen the... Because you just 
it's not a big deal. The trees grow easily in South Florida and they went, they stole the angel's trumpets and they brewed them into a tea. It can cause severe intoxication, flaccid paralysis, convulsions and death, persistent memory disturbances, memory lost. And it's just very, very dangerous. Bath salts, that's again, your synthetic cations, which are similar to a plant found in, or it's a stimulant, sorry, found in the cat plant. That's your MDPV, very common in the Southern U.S., very, very cheap, $3. It's a white or brown crystalline powder sold in small plastic or foil packages. It can be swallowed, snorted, injected. Side effects are your excited delirium, your increased heart rate, blood pressure, temperature, causing kidney failure, death. It causes panic attacks. A note I did hear from one of my patients who was also a dealer, manufacturer, for want of a better word, in South Florida, and how they would improve the look of bath salts was by actually spraying it with raid cockroach spray and increasing the amount of phosphorus, you know, and then people were going and injecting and smoking this. So we actually ended up seeing an awful lot of patients in Florida as well that had elevated phosphorus levels and ended up needing rapid dialysis. Your synthetic cannabinoids are a wide variety of herbal mixtures containing man-made cannabinoid chemicals commonly related to THC in marijuana. Much stronger, much more dangerous, very misleadingly called synthetic marijuana, marketed as a natural or safe and legal alternative to marijuana that was available in smoke shops. It's called K2, Spice, Black Mamba, Bliss, Bombay Blue, Fake Weed, Fire, Genie, Moon Rocks, Skunk, Smacked, Yucatan, Zohani, again, increases heart rate, vomiting, agitation, confusion, hallucinations. Going on to the next biggest group. For those of you who've hung with me, I apologize. There was just so much information here. But prescription opioids, it's a huge problem in the United States. Pain relievers with an origin similar to that of heroin. Opioids can cause euphoria and are often used non-medically, leading to overdose and death. Opiate overdoses accounted for more than 42,000 deaths in 2016, more than any other year on record. And an estimated of 40% of opioid overdose deaths involved a prescription opioid. So heroin would be included in there, but it's not one of the prescription opioids. That's where the difference is. The Center for Disease Control estimates that the total economic prescription opioid misuse alone in the United States is $78.5 billion a year, including the cost of health care, lost productivity, addiction treatment, criminal justice involvement, and roughly 21 to 29% of patients prescribed opiates for chronic pain misuse them. The statistics are just mind-boggling. You know, it's... You know, opioid overdoses in large cities increased 54% in 16 states. Extremely common, readily available in friends, families, neighbors, medicine cabinets. Opioids are snorted, injected, and smoked. Side effects are horrific, including death, severe addiction. People end up continuing to take it because of the withdrawal symptoms that they have. And again, this is one of the things that we treat on a regular basis is opioid addiction with medication-assisted treatment. Caution is for this, death and long-term addiction. Gabapentin is another drug that we see that's commonly abused as well here in the United States. It is a prescription drug, and we see an awful lot of people addicted to it. For more information, you can look up GABA yourself. So excited delirium, I just wanted to talk about this for a second, is a syndrome commonly yet poorly characterized ED presentation with a wide differential diagnosis. Patients are initially encountered by law enforcement officers or first responders in the field. Very, very difficult to contain these patients. 
their heart rates are elevated. Patients are extremely agitated and combative. Patients are extremely strong. So elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure, elevated temperature. Patients need to be sedated in the field for their own protection and just because they're a danger to themselves and to others. And that was what we were seeing an awful lot of in Florida initially when Flocka and bath salts came out. So I apologize if this has been an extremely long episode. These are the drugs that we're seeing out there. Parents, beware. Most of the information that I got was available, readily available, including the cost, where to buy it, how much, what to take, etc. It was all available on Reddit. It's out there. Our kids are on the internet. They are seeing what's out there and what's available. I think an awful lot of society glorifies drug use. Kids go to these raves and various different things and they want to use and, and test the waters and use things like molly or ecstasy with deadly results or consequences. So I think the best thing is for everybody to be educated if you have any questions at all out there, you can get in touch with me. You can go to my website. You can go to my Instagram page, Facebook page. I'm all over the place, mainly under Synergy Health and Wellness. You can shoot me an email, Dolores at SynergyHealthAndWellness.net. I'll answer any questions that there are out there. So I hope you guys found this helpful. Drug addiction is a terrible, terrible thing. Substance use disorder is absolutely awful. It is most awful for the patients. There is such a stigma out there where these patients are, it's the worst time of their lives and they're being marginalized and stigmatized by everybody. They're being judged. They have nowhere to turn. They're all alone. And it's just, it's the worst time of, of their life. So we need to educate our kids very, very young, not to go near drugs. They should be shown the consequences and made aware of what can actually happen to them. And we need to also help and treat those who are suffering from substance use disorders. So have a great week. Next up is going to be my episode on medication-assisted treatment. The episode after that is going to be on seasonal affective disorder or SAD or seasonal acquired depression and the little tips and tricks that everybody can do to ward off SAD and also to improve their own mental health. Have a great week. 